0: So, yeah. I don't know if you if you saw that that article that I sent you, uh, mm-hmm. and we don't have to talk about that today specifically, but uh, reading back this this chapter about um, Roosevelt and the New Deal and fascism for, and it, how it relates to progressivism and stuff, it actually brings to mind the that article I sent you and then another article on. Uh, the Mises Institute about the logic of mandatory vaccinations and how it relates to Kantian ethics.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's up to you. I'm gonna kind of let you decide. how Well, you wanna... I
0: mean, I, why, why don't we go for the the Roosevelt thing? Ba- okay, like, fo- as a focus. But yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. But if, if you want to talk about that sort of on the way, we can. Yeah, sure. Yeah, cool, yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts? Of this fascistist, that's <laughs> this, this yeah whatever. I mean,
0: it it makes sense to me. Um, I read the I read Mussolini's "The Fascist Doctrine." Right. I've read it a couple times. Uh, it's nice because it's nice and short. It's like ten pages. He gets straight to the point. Yeah. But it's crazy because you read it and you're like, oh yeah, this sounds like American progressive politics, pretty close. Um, right. I well, feel like he's he's a little bit more upfront about how authoritarian he wants to be and i feel like at least in the modern world the american progressives like to downplay that a bit
1: right well and i guess that's his whole thesis too right thaddeus russell's thesis is basically that fascism and uh progressiz- progressives have their s- the same roots or Right, uh, which is essentially social welfare, which is sort of the right. interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's like all of them start from it seems like good places, which were right. uh, the working class was devastated following the depression. And, sure, you sure. Know, you know, well, so.
0: progressivism started before the depression. Then.
1: Well, right, right, right. But in the in the you know just in this example. Right. Right. Where we're using FDR I, as the example of the progressives, right? Yes, a, yes. And and Mussolini and Hitler as the example of the fascists. Right. They all and and the whole chapter, my understanding, was comparing how they were similar. Right. And this is one of the sort of the fundamental ways. Anyway. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. No, I, I think so. I'm not sure that uh from my perspective, it's coming from a good place. Uh not that I don't think I think helping people is a good thing to do. I think The perspective that uh, a healthy society is one in which you control aspects to the point where you can make everybody sort of equal in various ways uh, tends to me to usually be some kind of mask for you to have power. Because it seems like what it it always is, is they're trying to convince you that this is good for everybody when it's really they want a whole bunch of power. And they think they're right. Yes,
1: that's maybe what I meant. Because yeah. obviously I didn't mean that, like, Hitler and Mussolini, <laughs> what they were doing was coming right. from a good place. No, but I meant that it is it is this idea that often, or maybe always, I don't know if it's a truism, that when right. somebody sort of comes in saying, like, hey, we're doing this for the benefit of everybody, you have to sort of look at what they're proposing to do with double the scrutiny because, you know. Right that's a good prescription to bring in authoritarianism.
0: Right. Well, because how else are you going to benefit everybody unless you control everything?
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, so I thought that the the fundamental thesis was very interesting, which, as we've said, is basically that uh, there's all these similarities between FDR, the New Deal, Mm -hmm. and Hitler and Mussolini. And, you know, the book sort of, the chapter talks about I thought the funniest stuff I thought was, you know, talking about all these glowing quotes that Hitler <laughs> and Mussolini had for FDR and, like, vice versa. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. just like, okay,
0: this has not <laughs> aged well. <laughs> well, actually, so like as a side note, what I find crazy is how FDR has maintained the status of a great American president. He interned yeah. the Japanese. Yeah. Like, just that. Just that on its face. I would think, like, given given our sensitivities to past racial injustices and stuff like that, right. you'd think that that alone would kick him out of the club.
1: Right, right.
0: No, yeah. he, he doesn't really get, like, mm-hmm. we talk about it, like, our history of interning the Japanese, it's not connected to him at all,
1: even though right. he literally did it. He was the one who had the order. Like, he right. wrote about how much he hated the Japanese. Right. No, I mean, you, you bring up a good point, because I was thinking about sort of the similar thing of, like, how did he win four elections like how was he right. so popular essentially right because this is a, basically what you're asking right how has he maintained his popularity but also right. how how did he get so popular at the time yeah. and i was actually listening to an fdr audible book I oh cool who it was by it was a while ago i i didn't listen through the whole thing cuz i honestly got kind of bored because i started it with that intention of trying to understand that question of how right. did this guy win four elections, and it just was really detailed, but just in details that I didn't care about. Uh, so I'm not really sure completely, but some of my thoughts are radio and television mm-hmm. seem to be sort of the the two big sort of game changers that were sure exploited by FDR that this book talks about too mm-hmm. is how FDR and Hollywood yes. were... Basically helping each other, and Hollywood was buttressing them by featuring right. and Broadway, of, and Broadway by featuring yep. a bunch of propaganda yep. in yep. their films. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just, uh, and then radio. You know, he did those those fireside chats, right? And that yep. was sort of an interesting thing. I don't know if any president was did like a weekly thing like that. Where they reached right. the nation. And mm-hmm. so it's just like thinking about that, of just this was, I also think, you know, how Hitler was able to propagandize the German people yeah. so well is you had these sort of new methods of media that had never been used. And all of these methods of propaganda became developed at this time right. that are still used now. And in some ways, the internet is like a mm-hmm. parallel. But anyway. Well, I, th- so, yeah. I think
0: that using, using those methods and drawing on the the narrative of crisis, I feel like it's probably right. sort of right in the sweet spot. Right. Because if, if, if there yes. can keep being a crisis, there's a financial crisis, there's a war, right. there's a, a madman in Europe that we have to stop or right. else like the whole world is over as right. we know it. And the yeah. thing is, I feel like if you're trying to say that in like 1870,
1: mm-hmm.
0: most people aren't going to hear you. Right. That's right. th- that's a crazy thing I think about about news and elections in mm-hmm. the 1800s. Probably a lot of people didn't even really know who Abraham Lincoln was in the 1850s. Yes. 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 And they might like maybe they know there's a war going on and stuff, but like how many people are reading news? There's no there's no radio, there's right. no TV, there's no anything. So you have to be reading newspaper or talking to somebody who's talking about what's going on. Right. Yeah. And so and so the idea of a national crisis is going to be much harder to stir up versus if everybody has a radio they got that little thing in their house or at the at the 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 bar that they're at or whatever and they're right. like holy shit there's like something crazy happening in Europe. Exactly. And this guy says he's going to
1: save us. Okay. Right. Right. And this guy is in my home every week. Like when was any president mm-hmm. sort of that yep. intimate before? Yeah, that was a good move. Yeah, yeah, very smart. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so I mean, yeah, no, I thought I thought this was a good interesting chapter. Um that uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and and then yeah, the whole fundamental I, I can say fundamental way too much. Anyway, <laughs> but the whole idea like you were saying, yeah, that like uh I guess what would you say that this is actually what I was trying to understand cuz it was also seemed like Utilitarianism was the mm-hmm. common root that they all had, and sure. that utilitarianism essentially s- logical end is fascism.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think I think that whether it's specifically utilitarianism, it's it's something like that. It's it's a, yeah, uh, it's an interest in social.
1: Um, what's the word? Engineering. Uh, Engineering, yeah, yeah, yeah. The efficiency. Right. Yeah, all the machine analogies were interesting. Right, right. I think um, the reason
0: I like this chapter is uh, I feel like American uh, progressives and people on the political left are often unwilling to face what their ideology is and where it comes from.
1: Hmm.
0: And I actually, I've noticed this talking to people because if I, if I bring up the, the historical connections between progressivism and fascism or progressivism and Nazism or the idea that they're kind of like two sides of the same coin or basically the same thing,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: it, it's seen as extremely offensive. But I feel like what's interesting is most people I know aren't really thinking about what they mean by progressivism or fascism. And somehow, yeah. somewhere along the line, fascism got um, associated with right-wing politics mm-hmm. and racism.
1: Well, um, but because if you read of Hit, Mussolini's Mussolini. doctrine of fascism, yeah. Yeah.
0: he claims that fascism is a, a left-wing politic because it is uh, socially oriented. Mm-hmm. It's anti individualist, so it's anti right wing, it's anti conservatism because it's revolutionary. However, it is anti communist.
1: Well, I guess the question you have to ask is like what was the right and left wing that Mussolini was talking about? Or were they the same? Well left so and the, right the right
0: wing, wing would be laissez faire economic like uh, like classical what we would call libertarianism.
1: That I was think. the right back then too? Right.
0: Yes. Oh. Okay. Free markets, limited
1: government, things like that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because uh, these or were... The-
0: monarchies. I, I, I would say that also, th- this is like the big thing. We talked about this before, about the, the split in the 20th century mm-hmm. against monarchy. So there's monarchy, oh. which is like the true, that's like the conservative. This is the, the legacy political system. Right, and then there's all these new sort of dem- democratic or pseudo-democratic systems. Like I would, right. I would put fascism and Nazism in the kind of like pseudo-democratic space, because what they're trying to do is make the people feel as if it's democratic,
1: while right. maintaining top-down control. Well, what was the name of the party? Actually, it was like the social. Which one? Something. Uh, the Nazi Party. It's the like National the so- Socialist Party. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> the, oh <they're> yeah, socialists. <laughs>
0: they're social. They're all socialists. Progressives yeah. are social. Like the right. it's, it's a it's these is all socialist projects. To me, this is this is the the socialist movement of the 20th century, which is separate right. than from the Marxist communist movement, right? Which is separate from the. Like, but the that's why.
1: Movements. Yeah, I mean, and that's why. And I, I do realize this gets you into troubling territory of trying to say that Nazism had. Good roots, but it, it's more of trying to say that there are, there are, <laughs> there were good people in Germany. <laughs> I sure. Guess.
0: I mean I would <laughs> argue that that socialism. I mean I don't think socialism has good roots. I think is maybe the worst of all politics. What
1: are the roots of socialism? I guess I don't know. I mean this is so it. The, the way the I, way no, that but I like to distill. Can I is, say real quick? Wrong. Can I say real quick? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just to put a pin in it, just I feel like I always end up walking myself into these corners. But all I'm, all I'm saying is, I guess it's just I like to always assume that everybody, honestly, is working sort of some from good intentions. But I know that's sort of a naive, uh, naive thing. So anyway, okay, so there you go. Um, Yeah. (laughs) All right. Yeah. (laughs) Why did I have to say that? Who knows? No, no, no. What
0: you just said was lovely. It was very uh,
1: (laughs) ponies and rainbows and
0: unicorns. It was great. Thank you.
1: Why can't we all get along? That's just all I wanted. All we are saying
0: is give peas a chance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Glad we got platitudes. So
0: so what I was saying is the way I the way I see it, the way I (laughs) kind of distill it, and I don't know what you think about this, is that socialism versus capitalism versus communism basically have to do at their root with ownership of property. Yeah, okay. In in a capitalist system, ownership is private. Mm -hmm. You own the things that you own. In a socialist system, ownership is centralized. The government owns things and distributes property. And in a communistic system, there is no ownership.
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: So there is also not a centralized system distributing.
1: Are you sure about that? Because, like, I thought... Or this is why everybody says that there's been no proper... Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I mean, I don't know know how you get to that. I mean, it's it's the
0: whole thing, like, your house you're with your family as close to right. communist because, like, who owns the milk
1: in the fridge? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I mean, and, and, yeah, I mean, and so I definitely see how certainly FDR and Hitler and Mussolini were all socialists because they all centralized authority, and that was sort of what a lot right. of the chapter was about was all of the examples of how, you know, the New Deal had this program that centralized... A bunch of the farm workers mm-hmm. to just a few corporations and fix the prices and the wages and stuff like that. Right, just like they did in Germany and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, yep. yeah, and and the banks. That's another right, big one. right,
0: right, right, yep, yep. right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean it, it. It's interesting. So, so how do you how do you feel about it? Because actually, I I read this chapter out loud with uh, with my wife, and I think. To her, it's a very radical idea comparing um, FDR to the fascist movements in Europe.
1: Oh Yeah, I, I guess I don't think about it that radically. I mean, it sort of seems <laughs> kind of logical. Sure. I don't know. I don't know because it's just like – because when I do look around at a lot of the sort of social prob, uh, social programs – Right, that are discussed today, whether you agree with them or not, mm-hmm. they to bring them about does require a centralized authority to right. do that, mm-hmm. and so that's why it just seems like uh, sort of obvious that progressivism would have <laughs> would sort of beget authoritarianism in some yeah, sense. Right. <laughs> what
0: I find interesting is how easy, I mean, maybe it's not easy. Maybe, I, I bet these people are working very hard at making their plans happen. But how we all sort of have this knee-jerk reaction to accept authoritarianism in times of crisis. And we think, mm-hmm. you know, there's something like martial law. And, if, and we all think, yeah, well, that makes sense if there's a hurricane or something like that. Because we want the people who are efficient, who can get things done just to take over and figure out how to do it and it's the next step that i feel like people don't usually think about is how does martial law end? why would those people then willingly just give up the power they've just asserted over you?
1: yeah, i mean this is the the question because it seems like it's only been done in rare cases with like washington being one example. you know where you, mean you martial actually, law well, i mean you could <laughs> Uh, it's sort of funny to look at the revolution like that, but I couldn't. You kind of look at that it like that. I mean, they basically. You mean the like American the Revolutionary revolution. War? Yes. As, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I, <laughs> I, I like be- this. Oh, you're getting nervous. <laughs> <laughs> this mind of mine, this associative mind of mine, I just <laughs> finding these connections where there's nothing. But it's the idea that I mean. Well, think about it. It's like. What was the revolution? It was an armed rebellion yeah. against the, uh, the authorities of the time, which were the English. I mean, right. they, they mm-hmm. owned all the jails and everything like that. Yeah. And it was treasonous to, to do what they did I and mean, mutinous or whatever you want to call right. it. And, and yeah, everybody thought that, oh, well, Washington's now going to just be the next king. But that didn't happen. Right. Okay, so yeah, no. I mean, I don't know, isn't that kind of making sense what I'm saying? And then everybody thought that Washington was going to just keep power. Uh-huh. And but he didn't. He he was like, "No, nah, man. I'm stepping down." I mean, also, that, that's that's great. Fair, he I feel old. like if,
0: if there were more people yeah. doing that, that'd be awesome.
1: Right. And that's my point is as that's uh, it's a ra- I'm sure there's other examples in history, but right. there are examples of people acting benevolently. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the philosopher kings and queens, if you will. But, uh, but I do agree it's sort of few and far between.
0: <laughs> I think that, that there's, a, there's an incentive structure that happens, though, when you do it through bureaucracy versus mm-hmm. through one person. Right. Because as you said before, I think you're right. I don't think most people set out to mess things up for other people. Mm-hmm. I think most people are doing what they think is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think when you set up a bureaucratic structure, though, whose reason to exist is to solve some problem, that structure has sort of a perverse incentive to not actually solve that problem.
1: Right. Right. Or, or you get so obsessed with solving one specific problem, you end up, making all these other problems. Like, honestly, Germany was so obsessed with this idea of perfection mm-hmm. that they, you know, in in all settings, they started exterminating people. Right. That they deemed imperfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, but they also cleaned up the society and, and, you know, sanitation and all this stuff. Right. Yeah, so to speak. Um, yeah. Yeah, the so progressives guess, but, haven't been so good at that one. Well, so here's, yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, Here's, I guess, one question Mm -hmm. is how do we feel about FDR? I mean, I will say that I did, despite maybe a bit of a waning opinion of him as I've gotten older and learned a bit more about him, I would say Mm -hmm. generally my opinion still is positive. Mm -hmm. because, Because it's just, I guess it, is admirable anybody that sort of gets that much done? And that is one thing that you can say about his presidency is <laughs> is he got a lot Whether done. Whether
0: you like what he did.
1: Yeah, but... He did but, things. Well, and then you also have to look at, so getting back to sort of this question of, like, how was he so popular? Right. You also look at, like, so what are the circumstances that he was coming in as? It's like he was like the Obama of the time. He was coming in at right. the recession or the depression, you know, at the time after hoover and everything was messed up so i mean he also had to do drastic things it is true i but you know it it's true and i've read some of the conspiracy books about you know how yeah okay well they they obviously just fabricated all of these crises so that they could consolidate all this power but you know right i mean
0: i don't know if all the crises were fabricated i think that he was making use of crises my interpretation of it is that his actions made the depression last way longer than it needed to.
1: Yeah, I uh, don't know. That's always a difficult question, right?
0: Right. You can never, you can never run the clock back. Because mm-hmm. um, I it mean, seems, people it, it argue seems to that me that the Obama. centralization of banking and monetary policy, especially, creates a problem where the price is no longer carrying the information that price needs to carry. And price is a really important thing because you learn about the entire supply chain of a product by how much it costs. Right. And if that's interrupted in some way, it messes up the entire system of supply chain because sellers don't know how much to sell it for or how much to buy it for. Producers don't know how much to produce.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this I think gets back to what we talked about before about how it's like the further you abstract away from whatever it is and in this the 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 worse it gets and in this case right. abstracting would be adding middle people into the transaction right you know because i feel like that's or, or bundling you know i mean because this is mm-hmm. how all the other sort of financial crises happen as you bundle like loans in with other things and then you sort of lose track of what's actually what you're actually buying and selling. Right. So it's just you keep abstracting yourself away from the actual product, whatever right. the product is. And the more you do that, the more likely you're going to sort of create a bubble. Right. Um, so it's, I guess I just figure it's always about making a system that is, uh, I guess, the cleanest, which would have the least you know, middle people. Right, um, but I, I think is, that they you know.
0: end up making a system with way more noise than signal. Yeah,
1: well, yes. Whether
0: yeah. that's intentional or yeah. not, I don't, I don't think it's intentional. I think it's, it's the thing that I noticed specifically with progressives that they're really good at is amplifying the exact problem that they're trying to fix. It's like cities with high amount of um, funding for homeless problems end up with the greatest number of homeless people.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it's, it's that question of whether you start incentivizing a position once you fund it, you know? Right. Like well, you do in a way. No, you do, yeah. I it's mean, it's like this
0: weird thing. We don't think about it, but a tax is a penalty. Right. So like we, our, our graduated income tax, you actually get punished for being more productive. Right. And uh, like welfare, uh, food stamps, things like that, are an incentive to not be productive.
1: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean Milton Friedman talks not, about all this. Not
0: right? even that that you shouldn't help people who are down on their luck, but mm-hmm. that it's like it, it's like what I was talking about about the you end up with a perverse incentive yes. with a bureaucratic yes. system
1: like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I mean I agree. Actually, and it was making me think about this whether there's like this law uh, cuz you know there's certain laws with, like, I feel like electricity and noise of, you know, mm. running sort of <laughs> a signal over a wire. Right. And, uh, you know, the longer the distance, the more noise or sure. the more deterioration of, of the signal and the more noise you'll get. Mm-hmm. Whether there is some sort of parallel law you could derive about, <laughs> like, the, the amount of sort of extra signal uh, or noise, rather, you get. Sure. or. Whatever. I,
0: that sounds exactly like a Milton Friedman thing. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I feel like the... the, the, the you're right, I'm just idea, a hack.
1: I'm just a no, Milton a Friedman hack. hack.
0: But, but what, what, what he was talking about, about the, the cartels of businesses that were formed in order to help dictate pricing and wages and things like that, you know, how much yeah. a product should cost or something right. like that, it, it ends up with a really weird situation because, like, if I have tomatoes and you want tomatoes, they're worth whatever they're worth to you. Right. And that's up to you to determine. But right. then if there's some body of people that say, no, 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 tomatoes are worth $50 a piece. Right. Like, based on what? And that, cha- right. that changes our entire ability to interact properly.
1: Right. Right. And which goes to the point of it's, you know, it's a middle person. It's a, potent, it's a particularly weighted middle person. Right. the federal government. <laughs>
0: and then and then there's the other there's the other bit of it that's like the dirty part of it is like it always seems to be people who are already really rich and like doing businesses right. Right. that help those the politicians. Right. It right. this the, that's the other thing is none of these projects seem legit if right. you start looking at who's doing all the decision making.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, well, it's it's this problem of the experts Policing themselves too, because it's who's going to police a group better than themselves? Because who knows about the field right. better than the doctors or the, the right. lawyers or mm-hmm. the, the yeah? Electricians. I mean, I feel like it does
0: relate to the the conversations we've been having about mm-hmm. doctors and the expert classes and mm-hmm. what what people's responsibility is right. to sort of guide society in a way right. that they think is the correct way versus sort of giving people the information you have, not holding secret special information and allowing people to figure things out for themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. Um, yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get there, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So were there any parts of the chapter that stuck out to you or anything like
1: that? Uh, well, like I said, those quotes of sort of Mussolini and Hitler
0: behold a dictator
1: Uh, yeah talking so so nicely about fdr oh that military military militarization of the u.s was interesting with the civilian conservation corps Mm -hmm. which was like a placed young men in military style camps and put them to work in the nation's hinterland (laughs) it's very interesting And, uh, you know, how that was sort of similar to some of the Nazi stuff. Um, Right. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because, I mean, you know, it gets to this other idea of, like, uh, well, there's always this push and pull between individualism and and collectivism, I guess you could say. And I guess it's maybe good that you always have a push and pull between these two forces because they mm-hmm. keep each other in check. But it's true. It's like there's there are these benefits to... Uh, I mean, certainly there's benefits to the things FDR was doing. We all agree. And, right. and that's been the dogma that mm-hmm. you know we've agreed upon in the American public for the last 80 years or whatever. Um, and so I don't know. It's just... I look at these things and I think there are good things about them. Right. And, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Well, yeah, like what? Well, like, (laughs) thank you for asking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, like, uh, again, you had a a tremendous amount of homelessness Uh during the Depression. And Mm -hmm. so, part of the idea was putting people to work. Right. And, and so the New Deal did that with all the public works things that they did. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, I think it did focus on some family stuff. And, you know, OK, so it was talking about like that that one, it was like the hay bill, which mm-hmm. was this bill that or this law that basically <laughs> put censorship on movies and dictated right. like moral censorship and stuff yep. and again i'm not saying that we should do this now by any means it's just an right. interesting thing to think about of just because we now live in a society where it's there's no hold holds bar and so you're you do have right. to think of like well okay well it's interesting
0: i mean there are some but yeah
1: there are some yes of course there are, there's there are some, some holds barred there are some people are holding the bar, but not many. I'm am I'm, I'm trying to hold the bar a little bit.
0: Uh, you're trying to you're trying to keep a, a nice, uh, polite Christian society that's safe for children.
1: <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. No, I. You're don't trying
0: know. to you're trying to stave off the moral decay.
1: Yeah, no. It was funny. It was like it was like cannot show in movies. You know, in that Hey Bill or whatever mm-hmm. it was called, cannot show. Anything that would decrease the pers- the viewer's moral right, yeah, 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 mm-hmm. sensibilities or whatever. Yep. <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, well. And you were like, well, oh, the good old days." Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back when you couldn't show any any uh, any really like just. Uh, <laughs> Strong embraces. Right, <laughs> right. Trying to right. Think of like, of braces. <laughs> no, it's true. Like yeah, you can't even hold each other too long. Right. It gets a little bit too suggestive, man.
0: Right. I'm well, you know you. what happens. You start holding each so, other too long. Yeah, it's true. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Those
1: yeah. were the days. No, they weren't. They weren't. But uh but it's just funny to think. That's really all I'm saying. Um, no. Well, yeah, no, the good things are the sort of the work that, that's as an right. example of some of the good things. And, and yeah, it's like, okay, so your point is that they made it so that we got out of, well, uh, the depression longer, but I guess a lot of people would say that social security no, and everything like that is good. But
0: yeah, the works project, I feel like the, the big problem that I have with the works project is that yes, it's great to put people to work, but people know if what they're doing has value. I think the, the purpose of work is that it has to be valuable. It's the whole thing about, I get into arguments with people about this a lot, about how labor in and of itself is not valuable. Otherwise, Mm. you could just go and dig a hole and someone should pay you for it. You have to be doing something valuable with your labor. Just because you're working hard doesn't mean you should be paid. Yeah. Uh, And and when I say should be paid, I mean that you know that in you too. Like You know if you've done something that's valuable to somebody or not. And so, if you're getting paid Mm -hmm. to labor hard for no reason, well, this is. That's not going to feel good.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's a question because these are the excesses that we get from living in society, though. It's like, I agree, in the state of nature, it's true. Certain work is like, you know, you can work as hard as you want, but if you don't sort of get something that gets you food, if you don't work towards something that gets you food, then the work isn't. You're
0: wasting your calories. You're you're wasting your
1: calories. But society, we have so many excess calories yeah. that we can waste them. You know what I mean? It's like we, I, I guess that's how I look at it. I don't know. Right, but getting paid
0: to get rid of your excess calories feels weird to me. It feels like, you, that, that's, like that's not paid stuff. That's, you, that's your deal. you got to figure that out.
1: But I guess it's like when you look at it from a more simple system of like, mm-hmm. just look at it from a system of you just... Made a machine that can make you food, <laughs> right? <laughs> a lot of food, that's and great. with a little bit of effort, it's that's I guess how. But I would say the problem comes in with the fact that you have some people that do a ton of uh-huh. uh, for society to run, and others that do you know a lot and even hinder societies. Sure, uh, you know, and it can be hard to distinguish. Yes, can be.
0: Because uh, everybody says that what they're doing is good for society.
1: Yeah. And yeah. everybody seems to have a different idea of whether that's true. Yeah. And, you know, we're beating around the bush about who we're talking about, but I'll just come out and say it. Musicians. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I actually cause... don't think
0: musicians provide tons of value. No, I think, I think I'm saying a, that I think because, really Ant- issue, because my because... friend
1: Antushka mm-hmm. is a musician i am just, well, just say that for the audience members so they know that I'm yeah. not against musicians. I'm not against them either. I just think
0: that sure you it, are. musicians and artists generally have a hard have a hard road because they don't provide value in the same way that, like, a plumber does.
1: Right. And, and that's, I guess, you know, despite the tongue-in-cheek nature of the comment. Right. I did bring it up because, you know, what you were saying was making me think about that too is, like, you're talking about how, like, you know intrinsically if some if you're doing something that is providing value to somebody else. Oh yeah. But the, immediately when you said that, I was just thinking like, well, what about music? I mean, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. So my answer is, you know, it with music too. Ah. Uh, like if you if you play a, if you play I in a cover
0: know. band, that's like amazing, or a wedding band, and everybody's mm-hmm. dancing and they're fucking loving it. You are definitely providing value to them. You are enhancing their experience, you're uplifting them, you're sharing in this really special thing that music is, this weird illusion space where you're making sounds, but everybody's hearing it as this superstructure. I think that is very valuable. I think if you're uh, in a university making bleep, bloop, bloop, bloop music that nobody's listening to, I think it has very little value. And I think this is, we've talked about this a little bit before, this is part of the problem and the benefit to universities is they remove uh they remove your work from market forces. You don't right. have to provide value. Right. And in a way that can be good because right. that can give you the freedom to exactly. explore however you want. Exactly. But also then you have no you have no basis for knowing if what you're doing is any good.
1: Right. Well, yeah, no, but I mean I was going to say that exactly it is like universities are this place that incubate all the crazy ideas that couldn't <laughs> sort of survive out in the outside world. Right. Well, I like it, how he was talking about
0: that Tugwell guy, like
1: sitting yes. up at Columbia, I staring know. off into Harlem. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 No, but, but you know what I mean though, is like, I, I, I guess I, I feel like that's an important point though, is that cause you're saying it is like, yeah, of course they can do this, but I guess my, point is yes but the fact that they are this the, the freedom to do crazy experiments is almost like one of the main utilities of academia so yes. even though you do maybe have a ton of people doing what many would presume to be pointless things a subset of that those will do something that will be tremendously beneficial for society and so it makes up for all the people who are sort of, you could say, prattling about.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is my other argument, and nobody likes this one either. I think that universities should be elitist institutions that very, very few people go to.
1: Yeah. Uh, Like
0: the idea of removing yourself from market forces so that you
1: can prattle about (laughs) is such a silly elitist thing to do. (laughs) Dude, that laugh was pretty elitist. That high pitched laugh of mine that I just did. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> dude, I gotta work on my laugh. I got the, I got a horrible laugh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's an uh, yeah, it's an interesting point because I I guess what I was going to say is that that's important, but I also agree that there needs to be some. Reality check for universities, or you shouldn't put a tremendous amount of like societal power to with them. Whereas, like, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have any say, but yes, maybe uh, you shouldn't (laughs) take everything they say (laughs) all the time because, yeah. Anyway,
0: (laughs) I agree. I think that second one is a lot better of an idea.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's interesting I mean, I, I, you know, what my, an interesting episode might be to do it <laughs> well, probably not, as I think about it to do a historical survey of the power <laughs> of academia and society over time. <laughs> How riveting. <laughs> I could just hear the the Brandenburg Concerto in the background as I say <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but the, he,
0: but even that. So Bach has become this like elitist thing. Yeah, he was writing music for a church. He was writing music for function.
1: He was well, providing value. Yeah, for a court, a court, so a church, was, and yeah. another court. Yeah, yeah. But it, it was. I guess it was. I mean, so here's here's my point. And this is the inner. It's like because we're ultimately getting to what Maslow was was talking about, which is the hierarchy of needs. Mm. And and this is why I feel like the whole work idea of like intrinsic value is a very difficult one to get at because it's like there's different values for work, and this is essentially what Maslow points out is that you know there's like the most basic, you could say, and most valuable things, which are the food. And the water the things at the base of the pyramid right. and then you have the other valuable things and music would be higher up right in the pyramid because it's like yes Bach was writing these beautiful things for people to go to church but it was like these people that were listening to it had just done right. a work of toil doing actual sort of manual labor making physical products that people were using Right. Like the organs that Bach was playing his great music on, you know? <laughs> but do we remember the organ yeah. builders, Antushka? No, yeah. we don't. No, I I we agree. Don't. I but
0: I don't think that there is such thing as intrinsic value. I think value is subjective.
1: Well then how well No, but when I said intrinsic value, I was I was sort of Saying it with reference to what you were saying about sure. how you have yeah, yeah. I think an that music is way value. less
0: important than people having food and water,
1: right? But this, but see, this interesting that you say you don't feel like intrinsic value because you also said that you feel like you just know something has a value, and that seems to mean that you have
0: I've, value is subjective. So you right. know what what you value, you right. know what you what you will trade your own things for, right? So, like if you really like sushi, you're going to give money for sushi, right, or you'll trade your painting or something like. Right that. So um, that's, but like nobody else can determine what is valuable for you, although we could probably surmise that both food and water are valuable to both of us. Yes, probably
1: um, yeah, no and and i guess but I guess that's my point though, is subjective or not there's right. A calculation that everybody's doing, that uh-huh. maybe it's not the same thing, but there is something
0: Yeah, yeah. There'll be like trends. On the whole, food is yes. gonna be way more valuable to people
1: than bonds. Exactly, exactly. I agree. And 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 so I guess so, okay. So so we agree on that. And Good. we also Done. agree that you could <laughs> then make a, a distribution of that of like then there's also gonna be a subset of people that are going to value like music more highly. And then that's, you know, so, so I get, okay. So we don't have to do that, but the point is we should right now. (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) I'm going to get a whiteboard (laughs) real quick.
1: Uh, But anyway, no, so I guess, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I I feel like
0: you're starting to get, get into the, maybe I'm wrong. What I'm imagining is that we go. So yeah, you could make a distribution, and from there you could make a committee, and that committee <laughs> would take those distributions and decide. Well, this is what most people think are valuable. So we, as a society, are going to put our resources into Basically, those Basically, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Well, and no, oh, but so this is the question. Is, right. This is the thing everybody. Uh-huh. And this is kind of what I was getting at with individualism versus collectivism. Right, is like. Right you can be very scientific with society, and that's essentially what people right. were trying to do in the 30s. And it obviously has this bad outcome, but the other way has a bad outcome too, which I guess would be barbarism and societal sure. decay. Okay, all right,
0: so this this brings me... So what do you think about this? This is yeah. Kant's humanity principle. Okay. This is that... Uh, You cannot treat man as an end in himself, and he may not be used solely as a means to some other end. So whether or not you think that something is better for society, people are not yours to use as you wish to right. make society do whatever it is you want it to do.
1: I think I agree with that because it gets at that idea of, like, people are going to rebel against anything that you try to get them to do. That's like a right. truism for humanity. Right. And that seems to be sort of getting at that. Right.
0: I mean, <laughs> I think the problem with that is that really unravels a lot of stuff we have.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, Well, and I guess this is why capitalism was so sort of you could say infectious because it mm-hmm. sort of it's amoral like we said right and it works because it sort of exploits the fact that everybody has a a program that they're run on which is self preservation sure sure and so assuming you just follow that rule goodwill Good things will happen. <laughs> right. So I mean, that's
0: great. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's like that faith aspect. Well, yeah. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's. It's the what I like about it, where I appreciate like Michael Malice the way he writes about um, anarchy. Is he says explicitly it's not utopia. I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It isn't that you magically get some amazing world if everybody is an individualist. Mm-hmm. It's. It's more that you do not have the right to use another person as your pawn to make the world into whatever you want it to be.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That is a good credo. Although, it's not the progressive credo, I don't think. Yeah. I feel like they are more... um, The good of the many outweighs the good of the one kind of a thing.
1: Yeah. No, definitely, definitely. And
0: I feel like... to me, what drives me crazy is fine That's it's a, it's a it's a philosophical difference, but then you sure, as hell, better make sure that you're getting the good of the many out of that
1: right, right.
0: You better be yeah. at least getting what it is you're talking <laughs> about,
1: <laughs> yeah I agree you know you've said that quite a few times on this podcast you must you must feel that <laughs> I must feel that <laughs> yeah it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think at wait, least wait, one wait, other time. Wait, wait, what are you thinking?
0: You're just out there, you're sitting over there pondering?
1: Sorry, no, I'm just, I'm catatonic at this point. <laughs> cat- <laughs> this has been a long day. Oh, man. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, I I, I agree with you, honestly, in that um, progressives are very utilitarian. I was mm-hmm. thinking about Star Trek and how it's maybe right. Sort of, has sort of propagandized people to be utilitarian with, you know, the whole Kant, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kant. No, Kant. Kant, Emanuel. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, I've been reading too much philosophy. (laughs) Yeah, no, Kant, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Kant. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, and I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, Yeah, so I was thinking about how progressives are utilitarian. Right. Uh, But I I guess it's just, it is is interesting because, so what did you think about this, that I guess I was doing implicitly that the opposite, uh, you could say, so you take progressivism or fascism uh, to its logical end. I guess this is saying it's fascism and authoritarianism. You take capitalism to its logical end. Mm-hmm. Could it be barbarism? I don't
0: know. Well, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's like I think that any system, if you follow it to whatever its truest degree is. Right. Is going to become pathological.
0: That could be true. What? What are you? What are you saying? Barbarism is. Maybe I don't have a good sense for what
1: I'm saying. It's like a state in nature. Basically, capitalism in its purest form. Oh, it turns us, reverts
0: us to animals or something. Yeah,
1: basically, because that's basically what every animal is. Is a capitalist? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) They're like smoking cigars and starting.
0: power companies
1: those fat fucking those literal, they love
0: fossil yeah, fuels they love those,
1: them yeah those literal fat jungle cats <laughs> 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 yeah. smoking their cigars in the trees yeah. um, what the hell in the yeah. trees <laughs> yeah you're walking <laughs> through the
0: jungle like fucking leopards <laughs>
1: Cigars. Whoa, dude. Whoa. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you just can't um, be calling people leopards. Like, <laughs> okay, anyway. Calling people. All right. So, um, um, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I, no. R- I don't know. I mean, because yeah. the
0: thing is, I don't know. I would, if I had to say which of the systems we talked about today are closest to, like, a state of nature and animals, mm-hmm. I would say probably communism. And no, communism, like Mar- Marx, writes about that about reverting to a state of agrarian life.
1: Well, that yeah, agrarian is assuming that I mean, agrarian is a step away from the state of nature. I mean, that's right, in right, between. but
0: but but anti-industrial. So yes,
1: but I guess, but that's so we my take point, one step back. I think yeah. the
0: capitalism is probably very pro-industrial. We're going to keep. We're going to keep advancing technologically with capitalism, I would imagine.
1: Well, certainly that's what's happening, but you could right. argue that we might also destroy ourselves. Yeah. And that's the point. <laughs> I think we can destroy
0: ourselves with any of these systems. I think we can figure it out.
1: Sure, that's true. Well, I mean, and that's what my point was, is that any of these systems taken to their truest degree is right. pathological, which is why it's actually maybe good to have them... I Some mean, it's of this tension. idea... Yeah, exactly. It's this idea of everything in balance and yeah. yada, yada, yada. How very Aristotle, Buddhist of you. Well, in Aristotle, he's always talking about being in the... I mean, his whole Nicomachean or Nic- whatever, however you pronounce his ethics, Nicomachean ethics. I don't know how to pronounce I it. I don't know. I don't know Don't make fun of me. Internet. I don't know it. I believe you. <laughs> no, they're going to make fun of me. But anyway, he's ta- he, it's interesting because he's basically approaching ethics mathematically by mm. sort of establishing ranges for ethics and then being like here's the range of greed and then you want to basically go for the mean of every ethics. nice you
0: want to be yeah. just the right amount of greedy exactly exactly sure well, i mean yeah. i guess i guess that makes sense you want
1: or greed would be a one end of whatever it would be like uh, i mean you know, i
0: think that there's a version of self-interest philosophy that goes along with that Mm-hmm. Is you you want to maximize what you can get because if you are too greedy you actually it becomes self-defeating because people won't want to work with you anymore or you'll take all of the product and it'll be gone.
1: Mhm. Yeah, exactly. Whereas I'm-
0: it is good to say no 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 I want food right. too. It's good right. to say that. Otherwise you won't get any food. But if you say I'm getting all the food then you will lose your entire community and then there will be no more food for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, American. that that makes sense.
1: Which, though, you could say, is a bit of capital. Well, yeah, it's well. That's it's,
0: that's what Mises writes.
1: It's capital. He writes that self
0: interest uh, in, in a rational way can't become pathological because it, hmm. once it's pathological, it's no longer truly in your
1: self interest. Well, you need to have you need to have the addition of empathy. Hmm. I think that's really all it is, it's because that's the idea: is empathy is going to keep you from doing anything to make all the people upset at you because you'll put right. yourself yeah, in maybe. their shoes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you need to you need to have a sense for what will make them upset at you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Empathy <laughs> is the key for us all to be. Happy.
0: Nice. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> okay. Is that the show title? Can you write it as if it's sung?
1: Empathy is the key to be like, happy. Like, can you do those?
0: You know the the little like note emojis around it. Will it let you do that? The
1: note emojis. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. Oh. I wonder if it would. I don't think it would.
0: Empathy
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is the key to be happy. <laughs>
0: I don't think that's true at all, by the
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um any other any other, other stuff you wanted to cover on this? Uh
0: I don't know. Um I mean I think I think we didn't cover it that uh, that directly, but that that's okay. I think I mean the main the main idea. Is really just the that American progressivism in the in the thirties is a different side of the same coin as European fascism and Nazism.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually think we covered all the main points. Yeah. I mean it wasn't he didn't have it wasn't that complex of a argument. No. Nope, nope.
0: Let's see. The men who made the New Deal were driven by dreams of machine-like society in which all members, from the leaders of government to the lowliest workers, would be parts designed, built, and employed entirely for their function within the whole apparatus. Right. There's that, like, utilitarian thing.
1: And the machine, um, you know. Right. Emphaticism.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's see. But to their dismay, these men found that most Americans rejected such dreams, except during times of crisis. The First World War was the first such crisis, and they embraced that opportunity to discipline America. But then came the peace and prosperity of the 1920s, a long time waiting for another national emergency that could make their fantasies of social order come true." The fantasies of social order thing is interesting because it sounds silly. But I actually know people who really are very much about social order, and they talk about things being social order, and they say that uh, ultimately one world government is the the natural conclusion of the whole thing, and that's where they think we should go.
1: Well, it's be- and this is I guess getting back to what I keep saying about how there's some good things to hear is like well, there's some good things to social order of like right. having sidewalks paved and having. Right. You know, just general law. Yeah, and general law in order of just not fearing for your life whenever you go outside and getting snatched by bandits. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's true. Although there is the the Austin or the Rainy Street killer here. Right. Have you heard about that? I have, yeah. It's pretty weird. It is weird. It makes me walking back to my car at night from gigs like, well, I hope that's not real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, like, pepper spray or anything?
0: Uh, I don't have pepper spray. You
1: should get some. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, but, I mean, you know, this is my point, though, is that, like, having a general, like, there is something good about that. But I agree. I do agree with the idea that, that the logical end of that is a one-world government and that a one-world government is a little bit... <clears throat> should at least be looked at a little bit uh, skeptically because it's this idea that you get so abstracted away from the ground level. Mm -hmm. You know, to have some centralized authority to govern 7 billion people, it's just you can't have them connected that directly to you. And that's always going to lead to malfeasance.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could make the argument that that's already a problem. Like, what do people in Washington know about what people in Wyoming need? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, so they, what do we want to do next?
1: Uh, well, I feel like we should probably do one more in this book, don't you think? Okay.
0: Yeah, probably. But we got to be a little careful with this We book. do need to. I was
1: just thinking, <laughs> are there any that we'll be able to do? <laughs>
0: um, the Gangsters one is sort of fun. It talks about... Um, Sort of the creation of Las Vegas and Hollywood. Um, the part four. Uh, gay liberation, American liberation is an interesting idea. Uh, mm. Also the civil rights stuff, but it's maybe too spicy. I don't know. Or we could just <laughs> read. We could read the last one. See how he how he closes the whole thing up.
1: Yeah, I was actually thinking maybe the last one might be good. Almost Free, The Promise and Tragedy of Rednecks and Hippies.
0: Right. Because it it doesn't matter. We can say anything we want about rednecks and hippies, and we should be in the
1: clear. My (laughs) thinking exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't know. Also, he should sort of give us his general thesis, I assume. Right. Although it doesn't look like it's that long of a chapter. Well, that's fine. It's like 10 pages. You're trying to give me more work? Well, I'm just saying, how much is he really going to talk about in 10 pages? How much? I don't know. Well, yeah, it's fine. No, 10 pages is fine. Okay. Um, <clears throat> um, and I don't know if there's anything else. Yeah, I, uh, I got to think about what we want to do in the future, too. Right. Um... Is you have anything in mind? I don't know.
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, we're going to talk about professionalism at some point. Right. I don't know. Maybe picking picking a new topic area and Mm -hmm. and thinking about that. Uh, Yeah. I had an interesting
1: chemistry book, History of Chemistry.
0: All right. (laughs) That sounds great. I don't know. Is it spicy or is it gonna be really dry?
1: <laughs> it's not that spicy. it's spicy in a in a historical sense, you know. No, I mean I don't know. It's like uh honestly there's a bit of overlap with it in the medical cool. Like I feel like they, they have a, like a chapter about Gallon, but we don't have to talk about him again. Okay. You know?
0: <laughs> we <laughs> already can.
1: talked about him No. Yeah. Nah. He he had his day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well that's cool. No uh no other crazy uh gig. Fiascos.
0: Gig fiascos? No. Uh I'm trying to find a bass player for Saturday. If anybody out there wants to play with me. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. No, just lots of gigs. Hey, if you're listening and you're in Austin, I play I'm playing like Thursday through Sunday for the next like seven weeks. So.
1: Nice. Yeah. So go see Antushka. You look up Antushka.
0: Yeah, you'll you'll find me, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh I I never did the video for the last week. I should probably do that. Oh, I, I okay. don't put anything up on YouTube. Okay. But I've started playing World of Warcraft again.
0: Oh, okay,
1: great. <laughs> so I, and I so made a be cha- good. I made a character called PDAMX. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make us so famous? Dude, Dude. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Cool. Dude, our numbers are ridiculous right now. Yeah, I
0: assume rid- ridiculously high. Yeah. yeah
1: okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like worthy of ridicule or something. Yeah, funny. yeah.
1: We're, we're about to be- hit pieces. People are going to start coming after us. That's how popular <laughs> we are.
0: That'd be kind of funny.
1: Would <laughs> it? would be it? hilarious. Yeah.
0: <laughs> God. Yeah. All right, all right. I think we did it.
1: Yeah, I think so. All right. Cool. Goodbye, everybody. All right. I'm going to go back under a rock.